Welcome to Primal Learning. Are you a parent who struggles to motivate your child? Are you a teacher who would like some tips on how to manage student behaviour? Are you a school leader trying to determine the best way to support your staff? If you've answered yes to any of these questions, then you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Damien Barry, and this is a podcast that explores four broad areas which I believe are important, or at least of interest to many people, and these are learning, schools, education, and teaching. In this podcast, my goal is to debunk myths, provide helpful advice, explore the difficult topics, critique the burning issues and debate the latest trends. I will look at what works, what doesn't, what annoys and what confounds for parents, students, teachers and those who'd simply like to understand a bit more about the world of learning and schooling in general. So let's get into it. Hello folks, well it's Saturday the 21st of March 2020 and the world is currently in the grip of the coronavirus. Lots of fear and uncertainty for obvious reasons, but you know what? Also lots of really positive things as well. In areas and walks of life that you'd least expect it. People are forced to reinvent ways of doing business, communicating, working, collaborating and educating. And I guess just on that tip of educating, being a school principal, I'm acutely aware of the debate around school closures. I can see both sides of the argument. I'm not here today to take sides and I guess by the time you listen to this, the the decision may have already been made by federal and state governments or the respective health authorities. But I do wish to give a big shout out to those who are teaching and to the admin staff who are still at school doing the the good work on a day-to-day basis, supporting and engaging with students and parents, many of whom are looking after their own elderly parents or they may have their own underlying health issue. They may even have six sick kids of their own at home. So I just want to thank you, essentially. Your efforts give our parents a chance to keep their small businesses afloat. It allows our healthcare workers to keep doing their jobs, that important work that they need to continue to do, particularly in this in this environment we're now faced with. It gives our kids some normalcy in what, in what would also be an anxious time for them as well. And it keeps at least a portion of our economy ticking over. So thank you. Welcome to episode four of Primal Learning. In this episode, I will be looking at the adolescent years and providing some tips to parents to help them navigate these years and to understand school just that little bit better, particularly the junior secondary years of school, which is generally thought of to be years seven to ten. But I guess some of the things I talk about will certainly help parents in the primary school years or even senior secondary, you know, generally year 11 and 12. As we all know, Life is busy, it's, it's full of schedules and full of appointments and sport commitments and music commitments, school events, and multiply this by more than one child and we have one busy family. Then, add your own work commitments, maybe a spouse who is a shift worker or a FIFO worker, maybe you're a single mum or a single dad, maybe you're studying, caring for an elderly parent, the list goes on, but you get the picture. Life is busy, we all know that. School is busy. We have schedules, we have training, there's events, there's multiple subjects, multiple teachers, particularly across grades 7 to 12, a whole bunch of different pieces of assessment. We've got fundraisers, we've got carnivals, plus a typical adolescent is always thinking about their friendship group, where or how they fit in, how they appear to the opposite sex, the upcoming party or the upcoming get-together. So school is busy, life is busy, school is busy. So is it any wonder that many of us are just a little bit stressed and anxious, just a tad? We've never been more connected, yet disconnected. Something has to give. 
Most parents are well-meaning but just lack the energy or the time or even the know-how, the shortcuts to get ahead of the curve. Combine this with an adolescent who is grappling with their own changes physically, socially and emotionally, we have the perfect storm. So how can we get ahead of that curve? I guess before we under, can understand school, we must first understand our teens, our adolescents, and work to build a relationship with them. I know if you're a parent listening to this at the moment that, yes, you too were once a teen, you were once an adolescent, and uh, you probably had some challenges of your own, and you can draw upon that as a parent today as well. But look, it, it doesn't hurt to, I guess, just reflect on some of the changes that our, that our kids are grappling with and that are challenging them so that we can, you know, I guess, support them and parent them a little bit better. I could generally spend a, a whole podcast or even 10 on this topic alone. But for the purpose of this episode, let's look at how we can interact with them rather than react to them. I bet that many parents of adolescents can relate to having this perfect little baby bundle, this cute little thing who completely relies on you to keep them safe and well fed. Then they become a toddler. And everything you do gives them a giggle. They're still cute, and you are their universe, and then they become a child. And and you're busy getting them through the primary school years, and you're hanging out at parks, and you're going to little parties, and you're going to, you know, you're hanging out at sporting fields, and you get to know their, or you certainly do know their every move, but they're also, they're still so cute, really. And you start to think, you know what, I've got this parenting thing, this parenting caper covered, I'm all over it. But you know what? Then adolescent hits. Adolescent, the, the adolescent years hit, or maybe the teenage years hit. Things gradually start to change. Suddenly you're not so interesting. They want to do less and less with you. They want to hang out in their rooms more. They talk less. <laughs> they become secretive, sometimes moody, irritable, sometimes even sullen. You start to think, hmm, okay, what just happened there? Who is this creature that slinks around the house and stays up late and can't get out of bed in the morning, has dubious hygiene habits and eats everything in the fridge? I think I've just described my own 15-year-old son there, but I think you get the picture. What happened to my child and is what I hear parents ask and, and, and how do I introduce myself to this new person is another question they also ask. They also say things like, he or she goes by one name, but I know that in generically they're also called the adolescent. So what is this adolescent? Who is this adolescent creature? We all know that adolescence is when children and teens go through considerable physical and emotional changes. For instance, some adolescents can grow up to 10 centimeters in one year. 10 centimeters in one year? It's like a weed, isn't it? It's not surprising that adolescents can be at a time where you know, there's some significant changes they need to grapple with. It's not also surprising that they can also polish off a loaf of bread and a litre of milk just for a snack after school. Growth hormones kick in, which causes not just growth physically, uh, in terms of our physical height, etc., but also of the reproductive organs. Emotionally, they can be unpredictable. One day, one day they're stable and happy, and the next they are moody, angry, and teary. Teens sometimes can't actually control or manage these emotions. So as adults, we need to be aware of this and not react adversely and to be patient. Easier said than done, I know. When there is an outburst, sometimes the best reaction may not be any reaction. So instead, 
give them some space, give them a bit of time out. And later, when things have settled, then ask them how things are going at school or with their friendship group. Just take a breather, walk away and try again a little bit later. Like I said, easier said than done, particularly in the heat of the moment. But we are the adults and we have to show greater control. The only thing is that the time span for adolescence is also changing. Once, it was generally seen to be roughly around the ages of, or starting to kick in about you know, age 12 and then taper off you know, 17 years of age or 18 years of age, roughly. Now research shows that adolescence, or the adolescent years, some adolescents are actually going through puberty as young as eight years of age. Scary stuff, isn't it? And they are tending to leave home later than ever before, which most of us are probably aware of as well, particularly in today's you know, housing and employment market. The average person now leaves home somewhere between the ages of 25 and 28. So what was once an adolescent time span of about five years or six years is now up to 20 years. Crikey! So there are a number of reasons for this, but either way we look at it, adolescence is one big roller coaster ride. And guess what? None of us get off this ride until it's over. And double guess what? The length of the time or the length of the ride varies from person to person. So... We know a little bit more about adolescence now. There's a whole lot more we can certainly learn if we if we need to, if we want to know a bit more. There's heaps of books and internet sites and other podcasts as well you can sort of connect with and engage with to find out a bit more about these adolescent years, particularly if you're a parent of young kids who haven't actually hit the adolescent years yet and you're just sort of preparing yourself a little bit for it. But let's look at a few little tips for, for getting through high school. Like I said, particularly we're, I guess we're particularly focusing on grades 7, 8, 9 and 10. So I guess number one, it's no particular order, but number one is don't dread the teenage years. Uh, you can also have a lot of fun with these guys. Uh, you know, there's some, there are many, many beautiful boys and girls out there, yes, going through the adolescent years, but generally they are sweet, they are caring, they are learning about the world, they are inquisitive, they are curious, uh, and they're enjoying life. And we just have to saddle up get on the journey with them and, and help them through that stage of life with them but you need to adapt your parenting style it's natural for your child to change it's healthy for them to break away from you a little but you can't parent your 15 year old the same as you did when they were seven they will rebel against it so adapt make some changes so what does that look like what do those changes look like so hopefully we can maybe explore that a little bit as this podcast goes on and maybe even some subsequent podcasts but here's another little tip here this may help you as well start by being clear about roles practice saying no you aren't their bestie they have plenty of those be the parent don't be afraid to set limits or boundaries just don't change them arbitrarily or make them up on the run and make sure they're fair keep the negotiations and the communication open be honest explain things and again stay calm here's another little tip find something that they are good at encourage it join in support it it builds their confidence it doesn't have to be something that you enjoy or were good at when you were a young man or a young lady in your teenage years as well find something that engages them and connects them and then just encourage it build it adolescents are always looking for reassurance that they are normal so they'll ask questions just in their own little mind such as do my friends like me do my peers like me 
and am I an okay person? And I guess another question they sort of ask themselves is, where do I fit in the world? So these are things that are rattling through their heads and you can help them by finding things that they're good at or that they enjoy and just, you know, helping them along with it, get involved with them. Which takes me to the next point, that's connection. So the risk factors for adolescence in terms of them doing some unhelpful behaviours is a lack of connection to family uh, or an unstable family environment and a lack of parental contact that is meaningful. So, spend time together. Find something you can both enjoy. For instance, I loved my sport as a teenage boy. My mum was, put it this way, less than sporty. (laughs) Her care factor for sport was very low. But my mum loved going to garage sales. So she used to drag me along to garage sales from when I was, you know, even pre-teen years and right through my teenage years uh, and we would go to secondhand shops and garage sales on a Saturday morning uh, all over Cairns, all over far north Queensland uh, and finding some wonderful little um, treasures and that was our way of connecting. We would drive from house to house, we'd have the paper out and we'd sort of pick out the places we want to go to on a Saturday morning and get up at the crack of dawn to try to beat everyone else to to these little gems that we'd find along the way. And yeah, we grab a, maybe a milkshake or something along the, along the way as well, maybe a bit of lunch, and that was how we connected. And you know what? I'm mid-40s now, and we still do it to this very day. And my own kids still do it as well with their grandma and with myself. So it's a bit of a family affair, I guess, this garage sale hopping. Another little thing is, is try to develop within your children, again, this is easier said than done, resilience and a, a bit of a bounce-back factor from adversity. So... How do you do that? So I guess resiliency is created when when those connections are strong, that we spoke about before, when we value each other, when we help each other. The home needs to be a place where the, where the kid feels loved, cared for, where they feel safe. So here are five little quick little easy steps to maybe build a bit of resilience into that relationship. Forgive and move on. So you know, again, you don't, don't dredge up the past, all right? Um, or past mistakes, you know, so forgive and move on and don't dredge up the past. Notice the little things and give praise where praise is due. So it could be just as simple as making their bed. Um, and my kids, I praise them just for brushing their teeth in the morning. <laughs> so it's just, it's just little things. Um, respect their privacy and just listen. Listen to them when they're ready to talk, especially. We all get busy with their own work, etc. Sometimes just put that phone down turn the emails off for a bit and just listen to them when they're ready to talk and sometimes they're not ready to talk till 10 or 11 o'clock at night in some cases so just that time will come and just take advantage of that time a couple other things for for parents to do so show a real interest in their school and i don't just mean the address of the school <laughs> so you know, know their subjects know their teachers know how to use this thing called the parent portal which is usually connected to the school's website so where you can access a lot more information about general academic progress and so on and so forth and and know what the assessment is for all these different subjects and when these assessment pieces are due next thing you can do is establish a routine find out what works best for your child and the wider family for instance after school could be a bit of relaxation because they've been at school all day they may need a bit of time out it could be a bit of sport a bit of exercise 
Uh, then it's maybe it's a bit of dinner after that, dinner at six or seven o'clock or whatever it works for for the family, and then it's homework after that, you know, from seven to eight or seven to nine or whatever you sort of need to do. Maybe you need to get your homework done straight after school. Maybe homework time is you come home from school at three thirty or four, and you start a bit of homework then and get most of it knocked over then before dinner, and then yeah, after dinner that's time out. You know, that's watching a bit of trash on telly or reading a book or wherever it may be. So it, it, it's got to work in with the family and with the other kids in the family as well and with mum and dad's schedules and also the age of the kids. So just have a think about But you've got to establish a routine. That routine needs to be a habit as well. And to be, it needs to form that habit over a period of weeks and years. Other little tips as well just to establish that routine. Look, some of these things are just common sense, so just forgive me if you've been doing this for years already, but you know, pack the school bag at night. Don't, you know, it, it, you know, it's easy just to think, oh, I'll get that done in the morning, but you, you're rushed in the morning, you can be a bit frantic in the morning, if you've got a few kids to organise also in the morning, it's easy to forget things. Um, you know, making lunches, you're, you're making sure uniforms are sorted and so on and so forth, plus you're getting yourself sorted out for your own work day as well. And I guess on the topic of lunches, also make lunch at night if you can. Again, it's just that one less little thing you can just grab from the fridge, chuck it into the uh, lunchbox or the school bag or in, in the kid's hand and off they go, you know. So you just want to make your morning life or morning rush as, as smooth as you possibly can because it's pretty hectic in the morning, particularly if you like me and you sleep in a bit sometimes. The next tip is it's okay to contact the teacher. Uh, even if you're just a little bit worried about it, it might be just a small little worry or concern, or even if you just want to do a, a general check-in, it, it's it's okay. Um, teachers all have emails, so reach out to them, introduce yourself, introduce your child, uh, because remember, these teachers, particularly grades 7 to 10, they're teaching you know anywhere between 100 and 150 kids, sometimes on a day-to-day basis, so... Uh, it's not like a primary school teacher. They've got anywhere between 15 and maybe 30 kids in their classroom. So over a period of you know, a few months, they get to know each kid quite well. It's not as easy for a high school teacher. So think of school as a partner in learning. You'll hear this phrase a fair bit, a partner, or partner, or partnership in learning. So take advantage of that. Organize yourself so that you can organize your child. Like I said, it just comes back to our busy lives. Um so the better you are organized as a family, as a parent, the easier it is to organize your child. Plus you're a role model for them as well. So you need to have a plan. Use a diary, use a whiteboard, use a calendar, use a chalkboard, whatever. Whatever works for you. Something where you can schedule appointments, events, um, you know, training sessions, you know, up, upcoming um topics that are sort of you need to sort of be aware of you just need to need some sort of schedule you need you need a plan whatever works for you and finally know their friends know the parents of their friends know where these friends live and know their friends phone numbers because teens uh, can do some bizarre things at times uh, they can go a whole day without checking in with you and if they're like my boys, they never answer their phone, or they'll only call me when they want something, uh, which is fine. <laughs> but uh, you know, you need to know. You know, not that you're necessarily checking up on them, but they're still children. They still need your support and guidance. Um, and even if they are 
17, 18, 19, etc. We all want to know what they're up to and how they're going. So know, know their friends, know their, the parents of the friends, know where they live and know their friends' phone numbers. It will come in handy at some point. There were just some general sort of tips and suggestions there for, for mums and dads and just, you know, things like establishing a routine and so on and so forth and just to make life a little bit smoother. But here are some tips for communicating with school. If you've got a kid in grade 7, 8, 9 or 10 uh, in particular, here are some helpful little suggestions. So do it early and do it regularly. So do it early in the school year and do it regularly. Maybe just set something in that calendar or that diary or that chalkboard or whiteboard I spoke about before where you just maybe do a check-in once a term. If it's getting to halfway through the year and you still haven't communicated with school, don't stress. Just make a point of getting it done next week, for instance, okay? But if, if you can early in, early in the school, school year, the better. Isn't it interesting that we all know the primary teacher, but as soon as they get to grade seven, we gradually start to lose contact with who their high school teachers are. It's often at that point in their life where they actually need even greater connection. So don't think, oh, school's got it, my kid's got it. My child, my daughter's got it, my son's got it, they're all over it, they're all sorted. Stay connected. So reach out to the school regularly, reach out to those teachers early and regularly. Send, just send an introductory email just to say hi. So establish that connection. You don't need a specific parent-teacher interview night to have a parent-teacher interview. Often parent-teacher interviews are usually mid-term two and maybe middle term three, yes, or something like that effect. Sometimes it's the end of term one, okay? so But you don't necessarily need a parent-teacher slot or day or event or whatever to have a parent-teacher interview so what i've done in the past with my parent hat on is last year for instance i just picked one subject a term and i just contacted that teacher and i set up a parent-teacher interview it was just before schools i worked in around their schedule and my schedule uh, it was a half hour chat because that's the other thing about parent-teacher interviews some of these parent-teacher interviews are like 10 minute slots and you just go, you know, you, you have a 10-minute sort of chat with the math teacher and a little bell or siren goes and off you go to English and 10 minutes later another little bell or siren goes and off you have to go to science teacher and PE teacher and art teacher and so on and so forth. So sometimes 10 minutes isn't enough. Uh, sometimes you want to have a deeper chat with that particular teacher. Feel free to reach out to them, set up an interview with them. Um, you'll need to drive it often uh, unless the teacher's really worried about your child. They won't reach out to you unless it's like a, an organized parent-teacher interview. But so reach out to them and have a bit of a chat. As a parent, if you are only finding out things at the end of a semester um, period of time, in, in, you know, end of semester um, at, at school, or at the end of a semester through the report card, I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, if you're only finding out at that time, at the end of a semester, that um, your child is, is struggling at school or they're actually failing, and that's too late. So you shouldn't be receiving a report card during the June, July holidays or during the first week of the Christmas school holidays to say, hello, uh, these are your results for your child over the course of this particular year and they're failing X, Y and Z or their marks have dropped from an A to a C. And, and if that's the only time, the first time you're hearing about it, it's too late. So... Yes, it's a school responsibility to keep you informed, but it's also a parental responsibility to stay informed, okay? So getting back to that partnership concept. So don't wait for the end of semester report card to find out the results or the progress of your child or children. 
if you have another little tip if you have a gripe with a teacher contact that teacher please contact that teacher there's nothing worse than a teacher finding out they're working they're trying their best and unbeknownst to them uh, a parent has gone to their boss you know their deputy or their head of house or their head of year or subject coordinator whatever it's called or even the headmaster so just reach out to the teacher first so in maybe you don't like confrontations if that's the case just not that it has to sort of descend into a confrontation um but if you want to just start with an email just start with an email and and just say look reach out to the teacher and just sort of express a little bit of a concern saying just can we have a bit of a conversation about this so i can get a bit of a bit of an understanding a bit of clarity around what's been going on so that's another nice little tip and teachers will, will respect that and really appreciate that if you can just go to them and usually 99 times out of 100 you can generally solve it there or you can get a, bit, a better understanding of what's been going on you can probably get a better understanding of maybe some of the hijinks that your child is up to as well that's maybe impacting their results so there's often a pretty good reason or underlying why teachers maybe said something or done something or a decision that they've made at school um, that you can find out a bit more about by a quick email or a quick chat over the phone or even face to face but contact the teacher first please that'd be really handy now, here are a couple of little questions that you might want to ask a teacher if you're trying to understand the world of teachers, the world of education, you may have, you know, or just the world of what's what we generally call sometimes edu-speak or teacher-speak. So, so here we go. Here's a couple of little things. There's four or five little little uh, suggestions or, or um, examples. So you may have heard this, this term called an assessment rubric. So some people, their mind goes straight away to a Rubik's Cube. No, an assessment rubric is, uh, it's like the criteria upon which the teacher will grade or mark that piece of assessment, that, that exam usually, okay, um, or that assignment or that project. It's what helps differentiate an A from a B to a C to a D to an E, okay. So you get an understanding of what the results are and what the expectations are what's required for an A mark or a B mark, etc. So that's called the assessment rubric, also called the assessment criteria, essentially. Another little thing is called the assignment scaffold. So again, sort of these images sort of are conjured up in your mind when you hear this word scaffold. So what does that really mean? So it means that it's it's the structure or the plan which a student can use to complete a task it's like a little helping hand it's like a map with guideposts so basically you follow the scaffold or you follow the map to get at least a pass you know so to get at least a pass you you, you follow that you fill in the bits bits you need to you know do or you you do the research at the scaffold sort of directs you to and you should pass. All things being well, you should pass. To get for, to move from a pass to a B to an A, then go back to that rubric and have a look at what is expected for an A mark or a B mark. Okay, so that's how you can just bump up your marks a little bit more. So you, you might have heard schools. Usually it's a school-wide thing. They, they'll talk about, usually people like myself, principals or directors of study or, you know, heads of, you know, coordinators of, of subjects or heads of departments, so they'll talk about things called a learning framework or a learning ecosystem. So, what does this mean? What does this this edu speak sort of mean? So, it means that a learning framework or or a learning ecosystem is usually the language that a school uses to describe its overall approach to teaching and learning. 
it's like it's like their it's like their scaffold it's like a whole school scaffold for their approach to teaching learning and and whatever i guess um, um philosophy that the school uses in terms of uh, its belief around teaching and learning should be uh captured within the language of the of the framework and the ecosystem so it's like a philosophy it should tell a story and it should be it should be easy to understand for, for parents um little learn the teachers but certainly the parents differentiation maybe you've heard of it maybe you haven't heard of this concept what it really means is it's it's how a teacher will cater for students with differing ability levels so in a class of 30 kids for instance there'll be kids Across, uh, who cover the com- uh, an entire spectrum of learning needs from kids who require differing levels of support or consolidation of material uh, through to kids who require extension work, uh, you know, some more challenging tasks, for instance. So teachers need to differentiate how they deliver content and to differentiate the different styles of learning within their class as well. Okay, so if, if you ask a teacher, for instance, all right, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Such and Such, can you please explain to me how you have differentiated this unit of work or this task to cater for not only my child but maybe the other kids in the class as well? Now, if the blood drains from their face <laughs> and they fumble and mumble their way through a response, then you've probably got a dud teacher. All right, I know I'm being a bit blunt there, but but the concept of differentiation and catering for different types of learners within the class is is should be bread and butter stuff for any teacher. Okay. So just ask them that simple question. And most teachers who are worth their salt uh, will give you a very quick and simple response to that. They'll, they'll be all over it, in fact. Okay. Here are some little things about straightforward tips about what you really need to know about uh, how to navigate life in school. Here are a couple of questions. First of, all, first of all, you can ask a teacher. And this could be at a parentage interview, for instance. Maybe it's just an email. Just flick them an email, uh, if you like, if you haven't got the time. What is my child like in class? And then you can expand on this by saying things like, or asking things like, are they listening? Are they getting through their work in class? Are they answering any questions? Are they asking any questions? Are they dis- disrupting others? All right. So what is my child like in class? Just kick off with that. Another little question you may want to ask teachers is, explain to me why they received a B or an A or a D, whatever it is, and explain it to me in plain English. If you really want to ramp it up, say, show me the assessment rubric or criteria, okay? So that'll really put put them on notice, all right? When you ask that question, show me the assessment rubric or criteria and explain to me why the work that my child produced, being a B or whatever it is, where does it fit within this rubric? So just you know, unpack that for me a little bit, please, Mr. and Mrs. Teacher. Um, another question is, what do they need to do to improve? Now... If a teacher just says to you they just need to work harder, you need more than that, quite frankly. You need more. And look, teachers could say that to my 15-year-old boy, and I'd would agree with them. <laughs> uh, but a few other tips would also be helpful. You can also ask them things like, what's coming up next term? What is the assessment, and when is it due? Okay, really quick and easy. What's coming up? So you could be just talking to the science teacher, English teacher, math teacher, whatever. So what's coming up next term? What's the unit of work? What's the topic? What's the assessment piece? And when's it due? Okay, is it a project? Is it an oral presentation? Is it an exam? Is it three little little mini exams? Okay, is it a group project, for instance? Is it an integrated task where three or four subjects are all sort of contributing to it in some way? 
Now the question is, do they have any friends in class and are their friends a disruptive influence? So you just want to know a little bit about their environment. Last question, or it's really a request more than anything, is please contact me if you have any concerns. So just finish off with that. Um, you can even throw in the, the, the thing of the, the word partnership again. Teachers love to hear that. As we are in partnership with you or with the school, please contact me if you have any concerns. Okay, so that's another little thing, nice little thing to, to finish off with. Like I said, teachers love that word. Some basic parent admin. So here we go. Here, I'm just going to give you some suggestions around some some fundamental admin tips to survive and thrive, particularly in high school, okay? Particularly in those early years of high school, grades 7 to 10. Some parent admin advice. So here we go. You need to run it like a business, almost, okay? So you, you can't wing it. You can't you can't expect just to keep on top of all these different things that are going on at high school assessment, school life events, fundraisers, carnivals, um, you name it. You, you just can't wing it. Um, you can't just wake up on a Monday morning or Tuesday morning and so on and so forth and say, okay, what's going on today? All right, you need to be on top of it. So uh, you, can't, you, you can't hope that someone else will also do it for you. Think of yourself as the CEO of your child's life. Another little tip, this, is, this one's for dads and a little bit for mums as well, but for dads, and I'm sorry if this sounds a little bit sexist, but dads stay involved. Oh, trust me, I know plenty of dads that are very much involved. I also know plenty of dads that just sort of abrogate responsibilities completely and solely to mum. All right, so dads, your, the experience that your child or children has at school when you are involved just as much as mum is outstanding, Okay can have a significant impact on their essentially their, their outcome their student uh, their academic results if you stay involved so know what's going on don't just rely on wife on the wife or your partner okay if there's mums out there who are listening to this at the moment can i just please give you some tips to get hubby more involved don't just say to them you need to get more involved okay that may work for some but for others it won't okay so i'm putting my male hat on my and my dad hat on at the moment as well okay so so don't just ask him give him something specific so here is here are three little examples all right hubby your job is to know what sport is on and when including what training sessions are on and when so is it a 7 a.m kickoff you know where they need to be there on a monday morning and if so what do they need to wear all right do they when do they what training do they have in the afternoon that doesn't have to be sport it could be music could be the arts whatever it is okay so what's the weekly schedule hubby get onto it get it sorted and let let everyone know what's happening as well okay the other one could be all right hubby your job this week is to contact the mass teacher set up a parent teacher interview to check on progress or at the very least contact the mass teacher with an email to get a bit of feedback on their general progress all right that's your job give them another one three weeks later so all right now your job is to contact the science teacher off you go okay another one could be all right hubby your job is to sign us up for parent teacher interviews which are coming up in term two all right so jump on the parent portal um register us um pick some slots pick the different all the different teachers and sign us up all right that's your job for this week so little example something specific all right so get it really nail it down for them just on that topic of the parent portal as mums and dads out there you need to know how to access this thing so it's usually via the school website and it's usually connected 
uh, or sort of mixed in with the school app as well. Some schools don't have a school app. I, I, know, I get that. But, you know, if you don't know how to access the parent portal, if you don't know your login, your password, and, you know, we all have 50,000 passwords floating around for various different things. So I get it if you lose it. I lose these things all the time. So get onto the parent portal. There's lots of great stuff in there, okay? So um, you can access general uh, feedback and uh, upcoming events and even um, reports, etc. A lot of schools are doing their reports and assessment online these days. So you've got to get IT savvy and you've got to get onto that parent portal. Try to read the newsletters. I I think I read a stat one day where it's about 15% of all mums and dads out there actually read the newsletters. So teachers and staff actually put a lot of thought into these things. So just put aside 10 minutes to have a read. And you'll be surprised how much you actually stay on top of things. Please read those newsletters. Sometimes they're weekly, sometimes they're fortnight, sometimes they're just once a term. But uh, if they come out to you, then read it. If they're not, if you, you're not getting it, often these these things are sent out to your email. Again, just contact parent, uh, the school admin to make sure your email is up to date, so you keep getting these emails uh, in your inbox on a regular basis. Find a calendar or a diary or some sort of system. It's getting back to that topic I spoke about before as well. This is another suggestion around staying organized so pick one night per week where you get this general organization done so for instance sunday night is okay unless there is something due on a monday so there's nothing worse than finding out about dress like a pirate day being on a monday and you're just finding out about this at 9 p.m on a sunday night when you're already shattered from a big weekend okay so and then it's a scramble on a Monday night, then parent guilt kicks in, and then the kid gets upset because they haven't, they're not dressed like a pirate like all their mates, all right, and so on and so forth, and you feel like the worst parent in the world. So anyway, you get the picture. It just snowballs, doesn't it? So pick a night where per one night per week at least where you can work out your schedule for the week ahead or maybe even the term ahead, all right? Hopefully those little suggestions and tips and ideas help you. I think that'll do for today's episode. In the next episode, I'd like to look at or explore a little bit more the concept of teacher burnout and teacher well-being and mental first aid for educators. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy. See you next time. Bye-bye. I hope you've enjoyed this week's topic. This podcast has been recorded and produced at the Brisbane Podcasting Centre. Before we go, don't forget to click on the subscribe button for this podcast wherever you listen and give it a rating. You can find me on social media such as Facebook, LinkedIn and Instagram or contact me via email at dbarry1913 at gmail.com. You can even leave a suggestion for a future topic if you wish. Either way, I'd love to hear from you. I'll have another episode in two weeks. I'm Damien Barry. Thanks for listening to Primal Learning.